What is a summertime patriot? Y'all heard me use this term many times. A summertime patriot is someone who is willing to stand up for what's right and willing to take pride in their nation and stand for the rights and liberties and freedoms that we were granted just because we were born here. When it's easy. When it's popular. When it's fun. When it's cool. There are people that talk a good talk, but they do not walk a walk. When shit gets hard, they run. When it's time to make that hard call and say that hard thing. Well, it's don't rock a boat, don't cause drama. Well, surely it can't be that bad. Well, come on. They'll be better than that, won't they? And they sit there and they do nothing. And we've all been guilty of it for far too long. It's how we got to this particular part. Wake up! These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this time of crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What obtained too cheap we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. We seek fellow winter soldiers because unlike the sunshine patriots, we stand by our country. Through thick and thin, doing whatever it takes to serve it, including exposing the crimes of those in government, in order to steer it back to the right track. Let it be told that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. The term winter soldier is contrast of the summer patriot, who deserted at Valley Ford because things got hard. We were drawing the blood red line, have to be the winter soldiers now. We could be quiet. We could comply and live peaceful lives, but we feel because of what threatens this country, the medical tyranny, the silencing of dissenting voices, not from foreign nations, but our own government, it is why we must speak and stand. Remember the final line of the declaration that we mutually pledged each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our secret honor. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It must be fought for, protected, for if trouble must come, let it come in our time, so that our children can live. Hello and welcome to another episode of Witcher's Call Podcast. I'm Odin. This is Tear. And today we're going to talk about a quick start guide to preparing. We have done some uh, serious episodes about the... Upcoming famine, financial crisis, power outages, all that fun stuff, and you know, now, we, now it's time to talk about how to get started. Yeah, we you know, we talked about the circles, and you know, to sit here and think when your circle starts to get smaller as things get worse, you sit here and you have a tendency to focus on your shortcomings. So today we're going to talk about that particular thing. So, and uh, how to get started on some of the basics. So, I know that when I first started prepping, I wanted everything right now. You know what I mean? You look around your house, you see nothing but shortcomings. I don't have enough food. I don't have a water. I don't have, you know, I don't have a wood stove. I don't have, you know, and survival sites are no help because it's, you know, 17 things that you need, 10 things to hoard, 15 things, 99, 75. And it's like, you just, you, you get to the point and you're like, I'm doomed. Me and my family, we're going to die. You know, the first thing that my father taught me about survival. What? Because I did the same thing, even when we were doing survival stuff. Like I would, because you know, he he uh, he actually, when I got done going through this different stuff with him, he actually took me out with a knife, a hatchet, and some fishing line, and he left me for a week. Now he was around; he could have helped me if I needed it. But the first thing he did, because I always would, I would just get hyper fixated on trying to get everything all at once. He goes, "Son, take stock. Look at what you need." Look at what you can solve versus what you can't solve. Start with the easy thing to, to, to solve. 
everything else will sort itself out, but you have to pick something that you can solve now. Otherwise, you're just going to get overwhelmed. Take care of that. All right, next item, next item, next item, go. So you have to break it down into a list of what you can and can't do. Focus on what you can do. Well, I mean, especially in today's world, right? Because there, you know, you had you had backup just in case. But if you do some of our scenarios, right, they or <laughs> there is no panic. And, and you start to get a panicked urgency. You start to get afraid. And you know how we talked about fight or flight well, and, then the, and then the freeze? Yeah, that's why he told me, he says, never, never stop. Just pick one simple thing. Water, right? I'm saying that as an example. He says, you pick one simple thing. You have accomplished a task. Move to the next one. This is always move forward. Never look back. Just fix on fixate on the one thing you can fix right now and start. Because once you start accomplishing things, it keeps rolling in until you snowball into getting what you need to get done. Says if you if you freak out over every little thing, you're never going to get anything done. Fair. But again, prepping and survival are different. You know. Eh, because yours is you need to learn the skills and you need to learn uh, that action prepping. Oh, okay. We'll take it from like a, uh, a Reaper standpoint, right? He has been woken up, right? To the fact that he needs skills, right? That he needs skills to do, right? But right. now he's in panic mode. He doesn't have the skills like you had skills. He didn't just go, okay, you're 12, get in the woods, here's a fucking fishing line, see you in a week, fucker. Right? That's right. it. No, no. You had skills. Well, for people like Reaper in that case, though, pick one simple thing, something you can. Hold on. I, don't I have a plan. That's what this whole episode oh, is. Oh, we're going to do you're that. Try, whole... You're trying to fucking just, yeah, just pick one fucking thing and then we're good. No, bitch, I got a plan. We're going to lay it out. Oh, oh. Is it, is it so easy that Bjorn could do it? I don't know. Let's ask him. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Way to make an entrance. Dude, I love the fucking the haircut, bro. Right? Kind of growing need, on me. You need one of those mid- medieval axes. <laughs> I have a two-faced axe. That's Ooh, I get the I get the beads tomorrow, and I can I can I think I might record a video with the the two headed battle axe I've got. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All I'll do is just look at the camera and giggle, and just not say anything <laughs> else. Not say anything <laughs> just nothing else. I'm just saying, just giggle. Oh, oh man! All right. it, in today's day and age, just to point out, it, it's it's almost hard to believe that anyone doesn't have at least one skill uh, okay marketable skills are different than prepping skills <laughs> we li- we live in a society of comfort we live in a first world where you focus more on uh you focus more on prepping skills or i mean on marketable skills uh how you can do a website you know how you can be a cog in the machine Schools don't teach you stuff you need to survive. They teach you stuff to be a better worker. You know, I, I quote a little bit of what you guys were saying when I was in the waiting room. And, you know, especially with uh, Reaper, like, when you finally wake up and realize that you're way behind the curve and having to play catch up, that even, like, it's more of a frantic feeling being like, what the fuck am I going to do and how am I going to prepare? It's kind of like I mean? how you guys feel when I break open the book. No, yes. that's different. <laughs> you that, feel a panicked urgency. You know, that is, you, is. You've learned that something's coming. You're not prepared for it. You know that there are all sorts of supplies that you need. You're on a fucking budget, so it's not like you can sit and go, I'm going to go fucking buy a nuclear bunker and a spaceship at the same time. Well, I and, feel like for some reason you thought you doubted that I believed the powers of the book because everything you said had come true. And then you're like, you know what, though? But something's going to happen in New York <laughs> tomorrow. And I'm like, motherfucker, I believe you. Like, <laughs> Did you not hear the episode the other night where he goes, so talking about Krakatoa, I'm like, stop. Uh, right the fuck there. <laughs> <laughs> not, do not continue that thought. I'm not ready for that one. 
But regardless of whatever state of awareness you're at, very few of us can uh, afford to buy everything we need all at once. So to people like Reaper or people like Bjorn, right, who sit here and feel, un, you know, overwhelmed, first rule, stop panicking. Take a breath. You can devote yourself to getting prepared without breaking the bank. Even if you have to split up purchases, you know, today we're going to show you how to prioritize what is important, how you can create a sensible supply quickly before an impending crisis occurs. And that works for everything. For most people, you know, uh, unless it's like tomorrow at noon, then it's kind of awful. You know, type of scenario. I don't care if you're prepared or not. If we know for a fact it's going all down tomorrow at noon, everybody's going, oh, fuck. Fuck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then really, it's it's uh, just load up your mags and then try to get what you can get, you know? <laughs> oh, I learned how to make a thermite lance. Oh, boy. And I plan on teaching ours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't. I won't say anything to him, but you should already be advised. He's had me put the ingredients to make thermite in my Amazon shopping cart. Okay, good, good, good. But you also need a road flare. Sparklers. Well, yeah, but I I learned that if you'd use a a road flare and you use a little bit of tubing that kind of closes down, you can actually get a really nice penetrating thermal lance. I found this out by accident because I had to cut something today. And I didn't have anything. And then I realized I did have stuff. So I MacGyvered it. Fair. (laughs) All right. So the recommendations uh, that we're going to give you right, are primarily for the newer preppers or people who, you know, feel absolutely overwhelmed. Hopefully it will help speed you through, you know, the process and... Always remember to use the items that you already have first, especially if you're on a budget. Because I know that with the economy sucking or you have a million fucking kids, money tends to be tighter than it is if you have no kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it doesn't help that the economy is sucking like Kamala Harris trying to get into the presidency. Fair. So let's let's just consider this a, a checklist of things that you need. And you just add to it as you go. And in each category, we'll have a range of options. Uh, freebies whenever possible. And uh, so keep in mind uh, that the uh, it doesn't... What we're going to talk about won't give you a year's supply of anything. It will, however, get you through most short-term disasters. And once you have the foundation, you can spend time and money building upon it. Right? So the first thing we're going to do is water. I always put water at the top of the list uh, because most of us have houses. <laughs> so, yeah. but, well, okay. So remember the rule of thumb is uh, three minutes without oxygen, three hours without shelter, three days without water, water, and three weeks without food, right? If if shit is in the air and you don't have a gas mask, I'm sorry, I don't need to prepare you for anything after that because you're not holding your breath for longer than three minutes. Makes sense? And most of us have houses, so we're going to focus on water because you can get a gas mask uh, relatively easier than you could in 2020, and you'll pay a lot less for it. But again, it depends on what you're trying to stop and what you try to think of. So unless you're looking at airborne pathogens, or uh, uh, chemical agents, we're gonna then air is not really a problem. So we're gonna focus on uh, water first. So the need for an emergency water supply isn't always the resi- result of a grid down disaster, although that's what I'm prepping for. So, uh, so if you have uh, emergency water, I mean, you could have emergency need emergency water because your your well broke if you're on a well. Or the city had some contaminants come into the local, like in our town, we're on a uh, uh, boil water notice uh, because the municipal supply, because we're next to a water, a, a, a river. And every time that 
it downpours in uh it's valdosta right <laughs> valdosta georgia gets a lot of runoff from floods and storms one of the local rivers gets flood gets the overflow so can i make a suggestion because i my brother actually is kind of waking up a little bit and wanted to know what what he would do and he wanted to make a go bag first and then build off of it but i could not remember where to get those fucking straws from which ones live the, straws or the sawyer well whichever one live straw so, or sawyer. the sawyer sawyers are my sawyers are my favorite because they're smaller they're more compact they're easier to flush and they do a lot more water a small sawyer water purifier will do a hundred thousand gallons it's not fast but in a survival situation that is what you want you can get a four pack of them off of amazon for relatively cheap just make sure you get one that has the bladder see i couldn't remember if it was life straw or i couldn't remember the second one we may want to put a website up website link on that isn't the life straw the one that you can just go up to any body of relatively clean water and you could use that to drain uh yes but so is the sawyer okay i like sawyers they're cheaper and they do more uh water <laughs> and the testing i've seen shows that they're more efficient than the lifestyle it, it's just personal preference though so i mean you could get a little lanyard for your life straw and then you can wear it around like a little necklace if you want but i mean that's really the only difference between the two of them <laughs> No, I like I, I I need to get one for my go bag. I have a, a I have an emergency, like instantaneous emergency bag. Yes. And I don't have that's the one thing I don't have in it. Okay. And I forgot I forgot where to get it. And I was like, oh shit, we were just talking about this. Now I can't remember. All right. So let's do instead of doing the little fancy frou-frou personal water filters, let's start with cheap first and work our way down. Okay. To the more expensive. So right now. Wherever you're at, use containers that you have right now. Put a lid on them and stash them away. Do not use milk jugs. Do not use the same ju juice jugs that have the, the, um, the weaker type of plastic. You want something that held an acid in it first. Two liter bottles of soda are perfect. They don't bust. They're used to having pressure on them. And if you clean them first, water never really goes bad. If you're sitting here and you're, you have the, the water from your tap, the purified water and stuff, right? And when you put it in a two liter, it doesn't really go bad. The taste will be off, but it doesn't actually go bad. Like in a pinch, it'll work, right? If you don't drink soda... You can get the the one gallon uh, water bottles that are not the the milk jug type the, from the, the store. Ones. Yeah, you can get those. Those are designed for it. Get as many of those as you can. Save them. Wash them. Fill them. Remember, you're looking at one gallon per person per day. Now, if you sit here and you don't have any two liters or you don't have any one gallon bottles, we can go to the next one. Right, which is uh, five gallon jugs of the purified water from the store. Right, the uh, those work really well. Uh, you'll need a lot more it, than a gallon per day if you're talking about sanitation. If you have pets, you know, uh, what about those? Uh, it, it, I'm just gonna bounce an idea off of you because I just thought about it. Uh, we have a camper, right? And we have the, the five gallon collapsible plastic bags i guess okay it's a real it's a real thick plastic but it's uh it's it's like a bladder flexible yeah it's like a big bladder it's okay those arm. are good those are good for short time for short term and if you have the space like they're when they're empty they're great when they're full they're a pain in the ass to move around they do yeah, not like yeah shit. they they do not like to be stacked it's the same thing with the bobs you know what a bob is? No. Okay. A bob is a giant bladder that fits inside of your tub. Right? So if oh, you know that a storm okay. is coming, you say you put it inside of your bathtub, you fill it with water, and it sits here, and it contains like 100 or so gallons. 
right? That you can just keep in your tub until it, they're great for short term. They're they're great long term because you can sit here and move them, right? Uh, when they're empty, but once they're full, they're a pain in the ass. And I have some. I have like 150 gallons worth of the plastic ones of the the inflatable bladders. But if I ever fill them, they're staying where the fuck they're at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I thought about it is because uh, mine have metal handles on them, right? Right. They don't have the the thick plastic. Mine have the metal handles on them where they they actually have uh, the O rings, real thick plastic. So it's it's pretty hefty. I always keep two of them in the truck because if I need to carry some water, I can carry what ten gallons of water rather easily. That way. really, really, you're I, used to you're used I, to flipping I, around eighty pounds of water. I cheat. I use a very long stick and some strings. So I balance them out and move. I make my own little yoke. All right. I'm just like, saying, I remember look, remember that a gallon of water is eight pounds. Right. But where 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 mom's garden is, I have to do it every every week or so on some of the plants because the water hoses don't reach out that far. No, all I'm saying is is that it sounds like a good idea, but you ain't walking any significant distance with 160 pounds of fucking water on your back. Not if I can help it. Exactly. So you there there's also like if you're doing prepping in your house, uh I don't know how cheap they still are, but you know those uh big plastic jugs that you use for the water machines? Uh, the, the water fountains, water coolers, the big blue jugs, they're like five gallons. You flip them over and you fill them in. Well, they're a good way to store water. Right. Until they get brittle. (laughs) That's always been, I kept a, I had two or three of them. Um, and I didn't realize that they had gotten sun on them. Because yeah, in front of a window, and I reached over and I gra- I pick went to pick one up and it shattered. I was like, "This is bullshit." Well, it's the same <laughs> thing with the plastic milk jugs. But we're going off into the weeds. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me list some of the the other options. Uh, the other ones are they're called aquatainers. You can get them on Amazon. They're seven gallons, which is still fucking fifty pounds of water. But they're made for stacking. However, if you go this route. Make sure that your floor can support the weight of a bunch of the containers being stacked. Again, one gallon is eight pounds. I mean, technically that's milk, not water, but it's close enough for for layman terms, right? Then you need a way to dispense the water from the jugs. For example, if you go buy a 55-gallon barrel, right, Fill it full of water, but you have no way to get it out. Or you have to take the top off and scoop it out one scoop at a time. It'll work. But a lot of times, those 55-gallon drums have bungholes, right? And you need some way to pump the water out of that. You can get pumps, but I suggest top-loading filters and uh, like the the Berkey water system. Have you ever seen those? Uh Mm-hmm. Or learn to make one. Uh, one of the books, I have a bunch of books, but one of the ones that you can use is uh, Jim Cobb's Prepper Survival Hacks because it's got multiple DIY water filters that you can make without spending a fortune because the Berkey water filters get expensive real quick. They're like 300 bucks, And the filters, the last time I ordered filters, they were... A hundred dollars for two. So, all right. Next one. Cooking methods. Ready? If the power goes out, how do you cook? You need the ability to boil water. At the very least, if you can boil water, then you can heat up canned food. You can prepare freeze-dried food in an emergency. So, what do you have? First of all, do you have a wood stove or a fireplace? If you heat with wood in your house, you're a step ahead. Most people do not have that anymore. I know that Mr. Tear does, right? (coughs) I do. Uh, But you don't want to fire up a wood stove in order to cook in the summer. 
You know, especially since you don't have AC in your house anymore. So now you're going to add heat. So fireplaces and wood stoves. Eh. Then gas kitchen stoves. Some kitchens use stoves, uh, use gas or propane. That can be used without electricity, while others can't. For example, I have a gas stove in my house. It's a six-burner gas stove, right? It does use an electric start, but I have lighters, so that's not an issue, right? And if the grid goes down, right, if a grid situation goes down, you can sit here and you there will still be gas in the system, even if they're not producing gas for a long time, because there's gas already in the lines. Now, be advised, you will probably burn through that quicker than you think. So that's not a guarantee, but it gives you that initial to get stuff done. I have uh, I have one of the 100 and like I have a 150 gallon tank for my propane outside. That was one of the things when I was building the cabin that I thought I was like, I want to be able to cook stuff if I don't have power. Right. Um, now, I cannot remember the name of it, and it's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to describe it to you and see if you can remember the name of it. Have you ever set up for uh, like catering for events, and they have the... Um, Sternos. Sternos. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I was thinking of. You can usually buy <laughs> cheap. You can make sternos, by the way. Right. Well, yeah. I was just not everybody needs to go into the chemistry lab. It's just like saying. it's pretty much like napalm. It's like yeah. sticky substance. <laughs> but no, uh, you could buy buy sternos. You could even you know put a little little frame, and you can actually cook off the top of it. it takes a fucking long time sometimes, depending on what you're cooking. But you can you can actually use one of those. Right now, it is okay to use. If you watch the homework that I have continuously linked into the 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 UK blackout movie that we're going to discuss on Friday, right? If you sit here and they bring up a valid point after a couple of days, people can see your smoke and smell your food. And if they're starving, it becomes a problem. So all of these are great for short-term emergencies. But grid down, your your mindset needs to change. For example, one of the one of the most famous examples of sitting here and thinking that you're okay is your outdoor barbecue. <laughs> I guarantee you that the moment that you set off charcoal or propane or pellet, people are going to smell that. And if you throw food on top of that, they're going to come out of the woodwork. And if you feed them one time, in a short term, it's not an issue. If you feed them one time and it's a long term, they will be back. Now, going up in price, we have little emergency stoves like little rocket stoves or Kelly kettles, right? Uh, a camp you can, stove. Yeah, They're camp stoves. Yeah. And uh, you there's a bunch of them all within price range. Uh, I suggest that you go if you're going to make that purchase, learn to make one out of cinder blocks first and find out if you know, and then uh, shop around for the easy, convenient one. But remember, in a long term situation, no matter how secure your stove is or your smoke discipline is, as soon as you start to cook, those smells travel. Anyone within a mile could easily become your enemy. And if you think, please do not do this. Do not risk using emergency stoves designed for camping indoors. <laughs> Unless the manufacturer specifically says it can be used indoors. Because a lot of, a lot of catastrophe can be avoided if you use common sense. Because we're not talking just fire or even smoke, but there's a possibility, depending on the type of fuel that you use and the type of cooking, how often you could suffer from carbon monoxide poisoning. I know it sounds like a good way to keep the food, you know, from the smell from traveling. Trust me, you do not want to die because you did not want to share. <laughs> 
Does that make sense? <laughs> Hello? I don't want to share my food now. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of food, let's talk about food. Well, and I think that's something that people don't realize a lot of the, like, uh, uh, I guess with meats or something like that, it'd be better to build a, uh, even then you're, you've, you've got the smoke. It's like, there's, there are some foods that it's just dangerous to cook. And, and again, you want to tailor it based around, uh, you want to tailor it based around um, what type of situation? And when shit hits the fan, and let's say we're four weeks in, I happen to drop a deer. <laughs> it depends. You you said a mile, but that's being conservative. If there's any wind flow at all, no, that's <laughs> why. I, that's why I said a mile was with the wind. Well, you also got to figure this where you guys are, right? I mean, you. I mean, who, how how close is your nearest neighbor, Chum? You know, <laughs> that's not related to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's I, not related I, I to me. Mm, no, I'm saying wait, my, my nearest neighbor is my nearest neighbor is like less than you know ten yards away. <laughs> you you know? could take a piss off your porch and land in their front porch. Okay, I 100%, mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in a place like when you're, especially in the urban side where it's so dense in population, you could pop popcorn and everyone for for a city yeah. block's gonna know you're doing it. Pretty much, yeah. That's where we have an advantage over you, though, if you're in a oh. very crowded area. No, 100%. Like, a lot of the neighborhoods around here during the Cold War era put in bomb shelters. You know, temp- like, short-term, though. Like, you know, nothing nothing huge, nothing crazy. You know, but uh, people, when they were renovating their houses, are finding fresh air ducts on the side of their house and bomb shelters built into, like, you know, underneath their, their <laughs> floors, you know. But right. at, the, at the same time, though, it's literally short-term. You know, back in the 50s, they, they still didn't – really i think understand the uh significance of like what a new what nuclear uh, nuclear fallout really was like unless it is okay unless you are within the danger zone most fallout that will kill you you know in terms of it falling why you would need a, a a shelter is is a week right after two weeks, the threat of dying from radiation, unless you're directly in an impact zone or within a certain mileage of it, right? Two weeks and you're good. They knew that. That's yeah. why they're not designed for like six and a half years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to say something. See, and this is just from being a culinary side of it. I know it's not as appetizing, but rather than roast your meat, boil it. Fair. I learned uh, something that I, I've been doing a lot of is, and you can do this if you have a a plastic container, or if you really want to get with it, you could have a like a Dutch oven. But what you would do is you just you know you you put the Dutch oven inside of water, you fill it all the way up on the outside edge, and you put whatever you want to cook inside. You slap the lid on it. Not a lot of smell is going to come out of it. But or if you boil it, it's not a lot. Of, it's not as much of a smell coming out. It's not as appetizing. I get it. It's still as nutritious. Make a soup. When you are boiling it, though, just out of nutritional aspect, are you losing anything? In, in like you know, if you figure that where, you know, we're in a situation where you know you need as much protein and whatever it can be to sustain yourself, like, do, yeah, well, are if you you're losing that much? You. It depends. I mean, like if you're using, you know, five gallons to boil a steak, you're going to, you know, there's a bit of a loss there. But I mean, if if I'm going to cook, let's say I'm going to cook two pounds of hamburger meat and we're going to feed a family of five with it. Right. Mm -hmm. I would you would either go ahead and make, you know, either go ahead and make a stew out of it or you wrap it and you just dip it down. You just drop it down in there. There's multiple ways of doing it. Like, sadly enough, funnily enough. You could do it in one of these. Well, I wouldn't, but you could. the The reason I say is like if if you're roasting meat, that smell's going to be everywhere. All right. Well, we're not talking about meat. <laughs> Let Let's face it. 
If you're talking survival food, emergency food, prepping food, meat is not your top priority. Let's be honest. In a survival situation of people who have zero hunting skills, people who have lost power, meat is not their first priority. Most meat will be cooked within the first 24 to 48 hours because after that, it's fucking rancid anyhow. Because the stuff you get from the store is done in that amount of time. Without proper refrigeration, you're lucky if you have that long. You're looking at 24 hours most, right? And and that's if you cook the shit out of your meat. (laughs) If it was frozen, right? If it was in your fridge waiting to defrost, you don't even have that long, right? Fair. I guess I'm, thinking, I'm not thinking of an urban setting. I'm thinking of a you're, setting like mine. You're also you're also thinking about dropping deer, and we're talking about people who this is for beginners. My bad. Okay, I'll focus. Wait, so emergency really food. A whole lot of fucking food, though. Let me let let's talk about food because we went straight from cooking to fucking the gourmet of survival experiences which is fucking meat so let's slow it down a little emergency food comes in many forms you have to look at your cooking methods if you don't have a way to cook your food you're screwed that's why we talked about cooking methods first right It needs to be, the food that you choose needs to be able to be prepared using the method that you have available now, not the one you plan to get in the future, right? So right now, if you're talking charcoal grill, use it to boil your meat if you have meat or to cook it the first 12 hours, right? Fireplace, wood stove, those types of things, gas stoves, those types of things, Prepare your food preparation by what you have. (laughs) Then you can change it. Another important uh, issue is that your emergency food supply should be nutritious. You do not want to fill up. You do not want to do what most emergency food supply companies do right now. Where they pad their calorie count because of peanut butter and fucking orange juice powdered mix drink mixes right they fill those calories but they're not nutritious right you will be making greater demands of your body do not store twinkies or ho-hos or you know baconators or you know those types of things you want nutritious calorie dense foods keep in mind of any food restrictions that you have in an emergency situation if you think survival is bad, wait until you get intolerance illnesses or allergic reactions. <laughs> Trust me, you do not want certain diseases or <laughs> maladies when you're in a survival situation. Could you imagine so, having the shits from hell? <laughs> because that's what a lot of these people will get if they're going off of just those. Like you've never eaten an MRE in their life and they go through and eat MREs for four days straight. Uh, right. <laughs> so, okay, first thing, there there are different ways to create your food supply. First one, see what you have. Go through your kitchen cupboards and see what you already have, what you already use. <clears throat> stuff like stuff that lasts forever or a longer, longish period of time. Nut butters, crackers, uh, no cook snacks, <clears throat> canned foods that only require heating are good. Instant rice or noodles can be added to your emergency supplies. Ramen, even though you can't survive on ramen, it's a good filler and it's got calories. Uh, Group the items together on a special shelf or put them in a Rubbermaid container so that they're available when you need them. Figure out how long your supply would last your family before you have to go and purchase more. Then find out items that that you normally add to those and find a shelf stable version of them. For example, if you make your own, uh, if you like the tomato sauce or a certain sauce, find a shelf-stable version. If, what's a good, oh, pancakes. If you like pancakes, get the mixes all sorted up ahead of time so that they're shelf-stable so that you can just add that. And then add stuff like uh, 
dried or canned fruit, uh, vegetables, canned meat, stuff that you can eat cold, spam, right? Uh, Vienna sausages, uh, jerkies. Uh, they add uh, like one person's. The uh, arson made me do this. Uh, I'm already suspect. <laughs> a year's worth of spam, right? Okay. Half a can, right? Half a can of spam per person per day is it is an is your daily amount of sodium and protein all in one. Half a can. So for the meat and salt aspect, for the protein and salt aspect, on a on a very basic, if you're going to do it cheaper, is like 176 cans of spam per person. If you had spam every single day, and that was all you had, 176 cans of spam is enough protein and salt for a person for a year. Just throwing that out there. He made me. Figure it out because he loves spam. <laughs> and there's multiple varieties of spam, so it's not like spam all the time. Spam, spam, spam. They have baked spam with bacon. Uh, they have oven roasted turkey spam, right? And and spam lasts a long time. So <laughs> spam, the Twinkie of the world. As much shit as I like to give spam, it is one of the like I actually went out and bought a case of it because I was like, well, fuck. He's not wrong. <laughs> Two, uh, it does last for fucking ever. <laughs> right. So the the next biggest way, say you you're you're starting to bill on what you have, and you're saving on food items anyhow. Right. Now you might want to go up. The very fastest way to create an instant food supply is the emergency buckets. Right. You can do freeze-dried. It doesn't have to be freeze-dried. Some of them don't do freeze-dried. They do dehydrated, right? Uh, that only require the ability to boil water. Do not go with the cheapest thing that you can find. Some of those taste absolutely terrible. Some have unhealthy chemicals and sodium. Again, in a survival situation, and you're absolutely freaking out, it is okay to get like 60 days per person of those unhealthier ones. And then you just kind of rotate through them, right? Uh, and everybody has their own tastes. Again, the amount of calories that they give you are lies. That's why you don't go off of servings, because they're lying to you. You want to go off of calories and then exclude who's going to eat 15 pounds of fucking peanut butter in a year. Arson, but but that's just that. So, say arson and me, we could probably go yeah. through it pretty quick. But for most people, that is how they pad their calories: is right. with the drink mixes. Like, <clears throat> I'm, I it's like, good. I like the drink mixes, but should it consist of thirty percent of the calories in a survival food thing? Fuck no. That means most of it is sugar, right? The, I was going to mention, I, I saw one the other day. It was like a, it was a 1,500 calories, but almost 50% of it was in the in the dessert and the fucking drink. I was like, what the fuck? So we ate sawdust and then had a dessert and some tang. Yes, and that is how that works. That is how they get you. So I'm going to sit here, and they tell you that 2,000 calories is great. Do you realize that most of us, especially on this call, will use way more than that in a survival situation? Get so, on. here, well, here I'll give you an example. <laughs> All right, let's figure out. Let's figure out tiers. Tier, I know your height. What is your weight? It's two seventy nine. All right, two seventy nine. And you are not 14. You are... <laughs> I may 31. act like it, but I'm not. <laughs> All right. Your basic metabolic needs or requirement, right? Your basic metabolic rate is you require, if you do nothing but sit there, is 2,431.57 calories. All right. So we're going to round that down to 2431, right? <laughs> 2431. Now, 
you have to multiply that by a certain percentage because you will be active. When prepping, you never know if you're going to have to work hard or half as hard, but you're always going to have to work hard. So I always pick the largest number, which means you multiply it by 1.9. Oops. Get back. Times. Now that's just to maintain weight. In, in, in a situation like me, though, I'd want, I have a little bit more leeway because I got enough extra weight. No, okay. Again, uh, again, I get that, but survival is not the time you want to go on a fucking diet. No, it's you know what not. I mean? all right. So, <laughs> so you take your basic metabolic. This is what your body burns every day just by sitting there. It's two thousand four hundred thirty-one, right? If you multiply it by a certain quotient, and I'll give you the name of it here in a second, right? By one point nine, which is the amount of extra work that you do per day in a survival situation. Each day, you must consume 4,619 calories per day just to maintain. Jesus, it's like five Big Macs. All right. So what you do, the, the, the number that I picked is called the Harris-Benedict equation, right? It is your caloric need based on your activity level, right? If, if you are sedentary right, which means you do little or no exercise, you still take your basic metabolic rate and multiply it by 1.2. If you're lightly active, it's 1.375. Moderately, right, which is if you do sports three to five days per week, you multiply it by 1.5, right? <clears throat> if you do six days of exercise, you want to multiply it by 1.725. But if you are extra active, you have a physical job, you sit here and you're doing all, you know, you're trying to survive, chop that wood, boil that water, all that stuff, you multiply it by 1.9. And that is just to maintain your current weight. So when you see the food buckets that say 2,000 calories, you're looking that in the end of a long-term survival situation, you're ending up looking like a freaking Auschwitz survivor. <clears throat> you will survive, but you will not thrive, right? Oh, yeah. But the best and least expensive way to, uh, to, to prepare for food is to build a pantry. Foods, uh, it is familiar foods that your family already enjoys, right? Make a list of what you need to feed your family for a month without a trip to the store and without reliance on long cooking times. Which rules out rice and beans for most people, right? Stock up on those because they're a great filler. But when it comes to day-to-day, -day, right? Or if you're in a, in a bug-out situation, right? Rice and beans are heavy for the amount of nutrients that they provide, right? So you can sit here and... <coughs> So learn to can, set stuff up, pre-made pre meals, dry ingredients that you can put into mason jars and stick in your pantry. That is the least expensive way and probably the best because you know, but it takes the longest amount of time. Make sense? Yeah. Hey, right. one thing I want to I want to I want to give you props or something. Tell me about the the corn, the rice, and the beans. So every time mom's going, because she started thinking about it as well. Every time she's been going to the store, she gets a little five pound thing of beans, a little five pound thing of rice, and a little five pound thing of corn. <laughs> every single time she goes to the store, it's like eventually, yeah, you're going to have enough at that point. <laughs> All right, so we are almost at an hour, and I'm not even halfway through my list. So. Tomorrow, we will probably finish off the uh, the prepping thing. And, and I don't mind having too much information to break it down. But I, you know, because I think it's important that we tell you all of the bad shit that's going to happen. And then instead of, okay, see you next time. Bye. -bye we're like, good luck with that. Yeah. It's like what I did with Kep with Kipper on the live. Yeah. Oh, shit, have a cookie. 
Yeah, you're in Wyoming <laughs> at least for the next two months. Okay, bye bye now. <laughs> you know that messed with his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we sit here and we talk about. Uh, we've talked about uh, cooking and water and food, and stay tuned for tomorrow. We're going to talk about sanitation. We're going to talk about. Hold on. Let me look at my list. I have a printed list. We're going to talk sanitation. about heat. Huh? The, book, the Sanitation. The Book of Chumulations, Chapter 4, Verse 2. Do not shit where you sleep. <laughs> okay, Amber Heard. So we're going to talk about we're going to talk about heat, sanitation, light, uh, tools that you need, first aid <clears throat> kits, and special need, and any extra stuff. Uh, maybe some reference materials if you need them. And uh, what to do now that you have your stuff. So that will be tomorrow. And with that, Marcus, I am, I mean, sorry, Bjorn. <laughs> I, you haven't been on in a while. I haven't had to use Bjorn. So, so, so thank you for joining us. I know Always we didn't, we didn't usually talk about the whole horrible bad stuff, you know, the, the scary stories, but it is what no, it is, I right? I always learn a lot. One way or another, I'm learning something. You know, but how I'm fucked in, in different, ten different ways. Then you should have been here the last two days. That was all we were talking about. Was how <laughs> fucked everybody is. So, <laughs> wait. Question: Since I know you, 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 you love being the harbinger of doom over here. How much has Krakatoa grown today? I haven't checked. They still haven't fixed the buoy, so I'm kind of confused. <laughs> that kind of thing goes, yeah, there's a buoy that's fucked too. <laughs> it, okay, so there, you know, the largest earthquake ever recorded happened along the uh, the Indo uh, Asia Pacific plate. That's the one that caused the big massive tsunami that went in in 2004. Yes, so it has a history of large uh, earthquakes. Right. The buoy, it just happens to be within a couple hundred miles of Krakatoa, by the way, but that's irrelevant. Right. But so near that trench, well, within a couple hundred miles of that trench, one of the buoys is is uh, not operating the way it should be. It's there. It's a malfunction because there is no way that the seafloor could rise 100 meters. 328 fucking feet and nobody notice. You know what I mean? And and no other buoys are recording it. It's just one. So either Godzilla is fucking around with the buoy or it's <laughs> malfunctioning. Or there just happens to be a brand new volcano. But we won't talk about that because we want to throw a doom and gloom onto this particular episode. So uh, with that, I'm Odin. <laughs> This is here. <laughs> we'll see you on another episode of Winter's Call Podcast. You just had to make it worse. That's not a fucking volcano. It's like...